You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Well, unfortunately, it's not Rick here today. It's your old standby, Paul Roberts, the producer of the show, filling in for Rick. Rick's in Newark, New Jersey today, just landed. He's back there doing giving a talk to a, uh, a group of business people and uh, sends his apologies, and we'll we'll try and uh, maintain the usual high standards that he adheres to. Uh, for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, uh, I will just tell you that the name of the show is Critical Mass for Business. The idea is collecting the kind of critical information that will make your business explode. And in doing that, we talk to local business owners and executives here in Orange County. On this version of the show, we also do a show on Thursdays where we talk to uh, executives and owners from across the country. And the idea is what can you learn from the experiences of others? Uh, that's really what uh, the basis of Rick's business is. He owns and operates uh, a local franchise of Renaissance Executive Forums, which is a CEO peer group. People pay to to meet once a month with a group of like-minded business owners, mastermind, brainstorming, whatever you want to think of it as, and Rick facilitates it and helps bring in other speakers and guests and shares a lot of the information that we gather from this show uh, with that group specifically and groups like that around the country. So real neat idea. Um, a very successful show over the last couple of years. And the reason it's been so successful is embodied by the guest that we have here with us today. We have a gentleman that has a business you probably never heard of here before. And so we're going to be fascinated to hear not only about his businesses, but what challenges he had in creating that business, what obstacles he faces today in growing it, and and what's the good news in, in the industry that he's in, because it's an industry that we're all all interested, particularly here in Southern California, the real estate business. So welcome, if you will, Don Ganguly from Home Union. Welcome, Don. Thank you. Glad to be here. And did I say your name correctly? Here? You nailed it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Ganguly, I always have to ask, is that, um, uh, obviously it sounds like it's from somewhere in South Asia there. I yeah, it's from India. India, okay. Yeah. All right. Good catch. Good catch. All right. Well, let's talk about how in the world. Talk, tell us what Home Union does, and then let's talk briefly about how in the world you came up with this concept because it's very unique. Well, Home Union is a an online platform where folks can invest in single-family real estate around the country in a trusted, hands-free fashion. So what we're trying to do is make real estate an alternate, a legitimate alternate asset class that they can buy just like they would buy a stock in a bond or a bond, have it be fully managed and not have all the pain that's associated with buying investment real estate or rentals today. Yeah, right. That's what keeps most of us from doing that. In the good times, there were people who bought homes and tried to flip them or whatever, but I don't know too many people that you know just own homes and then keep them as, as you said, an asset that, that uh, turns out a certain profit each and every month here. Right. And I suspect they don't do it because it's a pain in the butt. Not only do you have to buy this house, but somehow you've got to find the tenants and you've got to uh, collect the rent and you've got to take care of things. And here in California, at least, if they don't pay, don't you have a nightmare going through trying to get rid of these people and yep, kick yep. them out? And- so, you know, really, um, that goes to the heart of the issue, right? We want people to be investors and not landlords, mm-hmm. right? Not wake up at two in the morning with calls and chicken bones and sinks. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> so, you know, there, there, there is a sort of um, misnomer or, or, or a misunderstanding where most people, 
you know, end up buying real estate in their backyard or a place they worked or a place they know, figuring it's, you know, it's more safe because they happen to know the neighborhood. Right. And they can go and see it and yeah, touch it. Yeah. yeah. Right. But the reality is they're not living there and they should actually look at, you know, where the best investment is. It's sort of, you know, before Amazon, you were out browsing your local bookstore a lot more and now you go online and you figure out you know, the books you want and the price you want it at. And uh, and you select it, and it's pretty painless. It gets shipped to you or downloaded to your Kindle, and you're up and running. Uh, the problem with real estate has been, you know, a couple of, you know, there have been a bunch of issues here. One is people don't have visibility to the best investments outside their neighborhood. Yeah, how do I know what it's like in Atlanta right. or Philadelphia or someplace? Exactly. So that's the first problem. The second problem is if they, if they do think Atlanta is a good location, uh, they don't have the wherewithal or the means to, first of all, buy the right asset in Atlanta mm-hmm. because, you know, real estate is hyper-local. It cha- changes from neighborhood to neighborhood. So even if they happen to buy it, then the next question is, well, how, how do I manage something that's right. far away? And so what we've done is we've really taken all of those problems and solved it for the regular person that wants to invest in real estate and either hasn't because of all of these uh, obstacles or has and has had a fairly <laughs> harrowing experience yeah, and doesn't right. want to get back into it again. Right. Uh, if you look at what's driving this, is, is there are some great fundamentals that are driving uh, single-family real estate as a great investment asset class. I mean, one, uh, there are a number of people with post-mortgage trauma that don't want to buy a house. Mm-hmm. I think it's the first time in generations that uh, parents are not telling their kids go buy a house uh, for a bunch of reasons. One is, you know, there's uncertainty about their jobs. Uh, there's a certain mobility quotient. People want to be able to move without having to sell a house or get a mortgage, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get under from a mortgage. And uh, so people want to be, you know, a little more hands-free and they want to rent. So we're seeing uh, an influx of a number of people that would have been potential homeowners that are actually potential renters, uh, and they want to rent single-family homes, which makes this a very viable asset class because that's what, you know, renters are the cash flow engine of real estate investments. Yeah, right. So, so, Absolutely. And the, the last but not least is, uh, is uh, are the lending standards. And, you know, we've got a qualified mortgage uh, that the government's going to enforce early next year. But a lot of people are not being able to qualify for loans under the most stringent conditions that, it, that exist today. So, and I was just reading about something that said the the for example the down payment that you have to put down in the in the in the bad old days you could buy houses with nothing down or very little down or yeah, there were programs yeah. available for first time home buyers and whatnot. Now, of course, that led to a huge number of people that perhaps shouldn't have owned homes and then in the down times couldn't afford to pay for them and that started the chain reaction we know is the Great Recession here right, the, the right. financial collapse all these banks left with all these uh, worthless home loans here. Um, so they've definitely tightened up restrictions. Yeah, it's harder to get a house than ever uh, before. Absolutely. And what, what's happened is a lot of those folks that have gotten kicked out of houses want to live in houses and not apartments, right? So they are wanting to rent houses instead of apartments once they exit that house. And right. Because the kids don't know what whether dad is renting or dad's buying. They want to give their children the same kind of openness and experience and breadth and space that, that, a, that a single family home might give them or a condo might give them versus if they go to an apartment. Right. So, you know, that's another phenomenon that's driving uh, more renters to this asset class. Now, what about 
apartments. Do you ever deal with apartments, or is this strictly single-family homes? No, residences? this is single-family homes. I mean, apartments are, uh, you know, that's a demographic that's already done, and, and people are out there investing in those in, in some fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, the single-family asset class has not been mined uh, in the past for a bunch of reasons. One is, you know, there were people, again, it was access. People didn't know where to buy. The second is, you know, you couldn't manage, you know, 500 houses in a city. You know, the houses were all spread apart in different locations. How do you, mm-hmm. how do you manage that effectively? Whereas when you have an apartment building, you've got 500 doors in one place, much yeah, easier to right, manage. Right. Well, part of the... And you find somebody who you give free rent to, and they become the manager in that building. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Home. Well, part of the collateral, uh, you know, sort of benefits of this mortgage crisis is there, there was great evolution of systems, uh, procedures, processes, vendors, because banks were owning these properties all over the country. Right. And when they would hire these vendors, the vendors actually had to manage these properties in a more systemic fashion, you know, show that the lawn was mowed with before and after pictures, otherwise mm-hmm. they wouldn't get those contracts. So what you had all of a sudden is you, a lot of systems, processes, vendors sort of happened around this crisis. So now you have property managers in, a, in cities that are managing 1,000, 1,200 properties very effectively. And these are the folks that we contract with in the cities that we decide to do business in, and we think that the, the So the bad work. times sort of opened up an opportunity for these people to appear and run this inventory of bank-owned properties. Correct. And now, having got their feet wet, learned how to do that, Correct. they're available to manage others. Probably. Yeah, they, and, and you know, behind them came the systems vendors who built you know good visual systems, uh, <clears throat> I'll give you an example. Um, you know, there, there are good property management systems that actually identify where call comes from. So, for example, mm-hmm. if you actually went in and visited a rental property in, say, Chicago, where we have properties, um, mm-hmm. and you went in there and you, you picked up a flyer and you called, that call would come into a different call center or would be tagged differently as somebody that's a lot more warm and qualified because you made that visit, right? Hmm. As opposed to if you saw a bandit sign somewhere and you made the call, you saw an ad in the newspaper, you made the call, it's classified a little bit differently because you actually visited the property. Hmm. So systems are now allowing you to filter things like these so property managers can get more efficient in finding the right renters, right? Are there others doing this? Is this something you are uniquely pioneering? So this, like anything pre-Internet, um, is fragmented local, right? So there might be... Uh, a vendor in Chicago, one in Atlanta that, that's out there with, you know, buying some properties, managing it, and selling it to investors. Mm-hmm. And some of these people become suppliers for us, right? Because if they have a good business and we like how they work, we go through a certification process, we look at their backgrounds, we, you know, we see how they swing hammers and what their vacancy rates are, and, and, and then we actually source properties through them for our investors mm-hmm. and keep them, keep them on as managers uh, afterwards. You know, so what do you have are, are these sort of fragmented, you know, somebody's in Memphis, somebody's in Dallas, somebody's doing a little bit of it in Chicago, but there isn't a national platform where you can sit back and say, you know, I, I'd really uh, like to invest in, in these properties in Chicago or San Antonio or, 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 or Austin and based on whatever preferences you might have. And somebody's going to find this property based on my preferences and then uh, manage it for me all the way, and when I get ready to sell it, they'll sell it for me. Hmm, so th- think of that experience. I mean, that's the experience you have in, a, in the market, right, which is you can buy an asset easily. You can trade it when you want to trade it. Now, real estate isn't that liquid, but as we build the platform, if you want to sell your property, then there's somebody else there that would want to buy it because it's a performing property that that has been earning uh, 
cash flow for you for two, three years. So it's season. Now, right? how is this different than a REIT, a real estate investment trust? Yeah, that's a good question. We, we get that quite often now. A REIT, a public REIT is traded in the market, right? Mm-hmm. So you really are not getting any diversification from the market, right? Right. So somebody goes out and buys a bunch of properties, packages them together as a group, and then sell shares in them, I guess, or something. Oh, well, you know, they, they, they actually uh, list themselves in the market, and you buy uh, you buy shares in the REIT, mm-hmm. and the REIT is pretty much of a black box, uh, and it's subject to the same vagaries of the market. So mm-hmm. if uh, the Fed says, you know, we're going to um, start tapering the bond buying, the REITs immediately get hit, although the underlying properties uh, haven't changed in value, right? Hmm. So think about it. So now they get hit because high interest rates hurt REITs. Why? Because, uh, you know, they leverage, right? And if they leverage, their leverage costs go up when they, when they buy. So they, they take loans to buy more properties. So the right. costs go up. The second thing is the REITs are a fixed income play, right? So people buy REITs for dividend yields. Mm-hmm. So if other alternate investment classes go up, uh, because interest rates are going up, REITs are less attractive and they come down. So, Here's a phenomena where you know you didn't do anything. The assets are all okay, but <laughs> right. you're not you're not really diversified from the stock market. The other thing is the read is a black box. I mean, so you're buying a black box. Uh, you're of, buying their track record, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And and so we're giving the retail investor a little more control because we're saying, look, you can buy just one property, or you can if you take an investor loan, you can buy up to ten properties or more. So you you're you're much more in the driver's seat, saying I want to invest this or I want to invest that. This is my risk profile. So we, you know, personalize to the individual investor a lot more. We we understand what their risk profile is, how much they want to invest, where they want to invest from. I mean, is this cash? Are they going to take it from their IRAs? Is it, are they going to leverage uh, take a Fannie Mae loan to buy mm-hmm. the investment property? What are they going to do? And and what sort of risk tolerance do they have? When do they need the money? You know, if they buy the property, do they need it in a year? Uh, that will, you know, put the property in a different location that has high velocity, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if they if they need it in three to five years or longer, that that again is a is a different dynamic. And when they're buying <clears throat> a share or an actual house, are they looking for both the appreciation value of that house, what so-called home flippers used to, you know, they'd buy it and hope that it's going to double in price, or are they just buying it for like a like a uh, apartment building owner does? The rental base. Yeah, the rental so, so our primary customers are the ones that are looking for monthly income. You mm-hmm. know, they're, they're looking for returns, fixed income returns. So this is a a stock market diversified fixed income asset is mm-hmm. what this is, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what they're looking for. Now, they, they may get some appreciation, and in most cases they probably will, but they're much more focused on their monthly cash flow. What's the check I'm going to get every month? Now, this is a good question because an example we use all the time is, you know, you... You have someone in uh, in California, let's say here in Southern California, that might buy a condo for $400,000. Right. And they might have $2,500 in rent. So what they do is they are actually upside down every month between what their mortgage payment is or what the rent is, and they might actually just break even. Mm-hmm. The reason they're doing this is they expect that 400000 someday to be 600000 <laughs> right. which is, you know, a dubious prep, uh, you know, proposition. Happen once. Happen <laughs> Maybe once. it'll happen again. Yeah, right? happen <laughs> once, right? So now we go to the same person and say, look, uh, why don't you buy four houses for 100000 each, three-bedroom, two-bath type of houses, each of which rent for, you know, 1200 to $1,600. Now you've deployed the same amount of capital, and now your rent is uh, anywhere from five to six thousand dollars. I mean, it's 
two to three times or two to two and a half times what you invested in the initial deal mm-hmm. and that, and you cash flow so uh, the 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 simple math is your rent has to be at least one percent on the price of the house so which means if a house is priced at a hundred thousand dollars the rent at least should be a thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. if it's less than a thousand dollars a month it's likely that you are actually not going to cash flow and you're going to wait for that big payday when you can flip it. So, <laughs> right. so a lot of people, and this goes back to the beginning of what we talked about, right? A lot of people, uh, go to their local realtor and say, hey, I'm looking for an investment property. Realtor says, you know, I mean, there's something available in this neighborhood. They go buy it in the neighborhood. They're upside down for five years and they go through all the pain and that realtor is probably their property manager. Uh, you know, he or she doesn't really give it the attention it should. And they end up with an experience that's, you know, very, very suboptimal. <laughs> right. So those are the people that, you know, we, that come to us and say, you mean we can actually, you know, buy anywhere we want and, uh, at least in the zones that you've, you've got available right now and you manage it and you take care of the paperwork and you take care of everything and then the year in taxes and you file it for me and you do all this and then people are, so what's people. the downside? What's the risk? Does the, will they lose money on this? Or is there a way to lose money on this? I, I mean, mean, the house doesn't rent, I suppose, or something? Yeah, there's always always risk, right? I mean, an investment always has risk. I mean, so if you look at investing in single-family real estate, I mean, what are your risks? I mean, your first risk is that, you know, your HVAC blows up and you've got to pop, you know, 3500 bucks for it. Right. Now, how do we mitigate that? We do an inspection prior to you buying every house, right? So we look at the life of all the key expensive components, your foundation, your roof, your electricals, your wiring, your HVAC. And so going in, you know, you know, what your exposure is. That's one, right? Mm-hmm. The second is, you know, your renter takes a hike and you can't find a renter for six months. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is one of the reasons, for example, we don't do business in Vegas today. Yeah. See, Vegas meets the, uh, the investment return criteria, but it is got such concentrated employment that once a renter leaves, I'm not confident I can get a renter back that quickly and have the returns not be impacted. So it's never just about the returns. It's what the ecosystem is, right? So we mm-hmm. go through an algorithm what considers over, you know, 50 different factors before we go to a location and say, you know, this makes sense. Uh, it has got to be diversity of employment. The median income in that neighborhood has to have a certain ratio to the median income of the city. Uh, you know, where are the schools? Where are the parks? What's the crime? What's been the mix between renters and homeowners in the neighborhood? You don't want a full renter neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you, you look at a lot of those things, and then you historically look at, okay, what, what are vacancies running in that area? What's the diversity of employment? What's the distance to employment for that neighborhood? So you, you, you take those factors, and then you say, okay, this fits a, uh, you know, a home union investment location. Mm-hmm. And then you go and say, but, you know, that's good that it fits it, but can I build a management infrastructure to manage it? If I don't, I can't. Right. I mean, so it may be the most perfect neighborhood, but till I can build a a post investment management infrastructure, right. I can't put that on my platform. Right. So this is why we spend, you know, over two years, even before we put the properties up on our platform to actually start sourcing and getting the areas, certifying the local uh, managers so that we knew that our supply was good. I mean, think of Amazon. Um, what's Amazon? I mean, Amazon's just not a website of all kinds of properties, right? It's a huge logistical engine. It is, bank, right? Warehouse, in effect, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, this is a similar business. So just like Amazon has to find the vendors, make sure that, that the quality stays and get the prop, you know, get the asset to you or the product to you quickly. And now they're doing Sunday shipping and all the other good stuff. We have to do the same heavy lifting behind the scenes, you know, because it's all about the post-investment experience. So when we mm-hmm. say, you know, trusted, hands-free, trusted, pain-free investing, We've got to take care of all of those things. And if there's a location that inherently doesn't meet it, 
then uh, we don't do it. So the, the other risk, obviously, is uh, is uh, the house itself. You know, you might get a great house in a war zone. Um, you're going to get, you know, you might get, you'll get right. tenant turnover all the time because they're, you know, these are the folks that sort of, uh, you know, change jobs and go from one place to another. And so the demographic that is not very well suited um, uh, for uh, long-term renting. Um, and, and so, you know, there, there's sort of a renter profile that we come up with that's more stable for the investors, two-income families, uh, in, in certain types of neighborhoods. And again, we don't go up too high because the very expensive neighborhoods don't cash flow and we mm-hmm. don't go too low because there's renter turnover. So there's, yeah, right. if you look at a bell curve, there's somewhere in the middle that we operate that is, you know, a pretty solid rental culture and, uh, and, and a good, uh, you know, good stable track record of paying rent. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then I want to come back and talk about some of the, I, I, I think I understand the business model now and I want to just kind of explore with you what areas of the country you are in and then we can get into some more specifics about, you know, uh, the pains of growing this business, the challenges you faced and growing and, and where do you think, uh, single family real estate's going? Cause boy, that's about the only thing left that hasn't, well, everything's been hammered, I guess. So people are wondering, is that coming back uh, as the uh, prop uh, or the engine of growth that we all thought it was once before? So hang on. We'll be back with all that and more right after this. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well... What happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. Okay, we're back with Don Ganguly from Home Union, talking about what I think is one of the more fascinating business models, something I've never heard of before, this idea. How would you describe it again? What, well, I don't even know how to categorize this other than it's an online platform that allows you to buy investments in homes. Buy fully managed investments in homes. So really, at the end of the day, what we're doing is uh, you know, institutionalizing single-family real estate as a legitimate asset class mm-hmm. that you can buy Buy and hold, trade and buy sell. and hold and sell and, and you know and, and safely without the pain of being a landlord. So, so how do you how do you be an investor and do this? You yeah. talked about uh, taking a couple of years to develop enough relationships or comfort in the marketplace so that you've got one an understanding the market, two it meets your criteria, 
not too hot, not too cold, you know, not too not too poor, not too rich. Goldilocks, yeah. Goldilocks syndrome. Yeah. yeah. And uh and to most importantly have uh confidence that you've got management in place that can be there and take care of all these issues. So it, it sounds like it takes a while to develop a market for you. What markets are you in? Uh you know, we're in a number of markets. We're in uh you know, off the top of my head, we're in you know, in Texas, we're in San Antonio, where we're doing something interesting, which is a new construction to uh, in, for investment rentals. Hmm. So we're taking a part of this development, and half of them are going towards investment rentals, the other half homeowners. So uh, investors are coming and buying brand new quad, you know, fourplexes or duplexes or single-family homes. And San Antonio is a hot city, two to three percent rental vacancies. You know, a bunch of military bases, mm-hmm. uh, shale down there. So, you know, there's many flavors you can do it, and a lot of builders are looking at it. So, for example, in Orlando, we're looking at right now an opportunity with a builder where a tour operator would come in and actually populate um, those investment homes and guarantee um, occupancy for about three years where they would bring them over for the U.K. and do that, and then we could bring those homes to our investors. And the reason I give you these examples is hmm. there are variations of how a single-family home can be used and uh so and then we have you know we've got Austin we've got Dallas we've got Houston so you like Texas yeah we like Texas i mean Texas is a place that you know there's a lot of land a lot of building prices don't go up too much they don't go down too much so they didn't really have the wild swings that you know a lot of these markets that we're in <clears throat> didn't really have the wild swings at California, Florida, and some of the other ones. Yeah, those seem to be the big, the big three, California, Florida, and Vegas, seem yeah, to have and, such a wild swing up and a wild swing down. Right, yeah. exactly. So then we're, we're in Memphis, uh, you know, huge comeback cities, Cleveland. We're in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in Indianapolis, uh, you know, on and on. So these these are, you know, there's about 14 locations that we're in. We'll be thinking about in about six months. We'll probably be in about 25. In a year and a half, we think that'll expand to about... Uh, maybe 75 to 100. And uh, how many homes are you currently managing or inv- or offering as investments? I mean, are there millions, thousands, no, dozens? I mean, see, I don't today know. we're, you know, where we are, there are thousands of homes that are being managed on behalf of investors. I mean, the idea is, uh, you, you know, this is an asset class that's so big, right? I mean, yeah. you've got, right. uh, give you, give you a data, you know, a data point. I mean, there are, uh, you know, pick someone's number. It could be 14 million, it could be 15 million, it could be 20 million. There are already that number of homes that are held for investment in the U.S. today. So we're not creating this market in many ways. We're disrupting it, right? We're, we're yeah. changing how people buy it. Uh, we're changing what people buy. You know, and so, you know, almost anyone you talk to, for example, will say, oh, yeah, I, I own a condo or my brother own one, owns one or I own this. And it'll be in some location, whether they used to work or they stayed before, mm-hmm. or where or they, they live. inherited it. Their oh, family, yeah, mother uh, died, or exactly, something. Right? Exactly, or where they live now. And uh, so it's an asset class that people understand. It's pretty vibrant. So if you look at, um, you know, today's uh, uh, NAR reports on sales, um, you know, the north of twenty percent of uh, transactions are uh, investor transactions in in the deals that are happening, really? and over thirty percent of transactions are cash. So, which is, you know, so the number could be higher. So once the interest rates went up, you know, the single family numbers kept coming down. I think now it's a little over 5 million that we, you know, same, you know, home sales that we think we'll do for the year. Uh, and, and the investment piece is, you know, if you take a 20% number, I mean, that's over a million, two million and a half or more investment homes that are being bought every year. And so if home ownership becomes more affordable somehow again, if, if somehow we revive Fannie Mae, Fannie, 
Freddie Mac and and low interest, uh, nothing down loans, then that would hurt your asset class because then people would rather buy a house rather than rent a house. I think you know if you look at the numbers, um, we we cranked home ownership up to sixty nine percent or so in the the gold rush of you know right. the mortgage uh, boom. And uh, that number has been cranking down, uh, you know, to 67 to 65 or somewhere in there. And I think prudence has it that, you know, the number is somewhere in that neighborhood is a healthy number. We shouldn't really push it above that. So you're always going to have a large pool of assets um, that are good, <coughs> excuse me, that are good for uh, for renters, you know, mm-hmm. that, that people would want to rent. Um, and... And and there are a large number of investors that are interested in uh, in buying you know fully rented houses. So I mean the, the, both both those dynamics are working. So e- even if the home ownership stays at sixty five percent or even where it was sixty nine percent, this is a business that's been going on for a while. I mean it's not. I mean we're talking right. of tens of millions of dollars of sorry tens of millions of units of single family homes held for investment already. So through the bad times and the good times, right? So who is your um preferred investor in this is it uh, obviously a wealthy individual or is there or is it something that the average person can buy a share in or? okay so that's a good question uh, you know so there are really two ways to invest today uh, the only way we have is you have to own the property so mm-hmm. either you put cash down and the lowest price property maybe you know 60 to 70 thousand in India or Cleveland so you can go buy that or you can uh, you can take a loan if you qualify mm-hmm. so a lot of the people that are investing are either paying cash or using the IRAs and or are uh, availing of a very low interest rate government loan. So if you look at even at a 4.5% or more, that's very cheap money to buy an asset. I mean, you're not going to be able to buy stock uh, no. with a loan that somebody's going to give you at 45 4 and 3 quarters for you to do that, <laughs> no, right? No, that's a good point. They, they don't give you loans to go buy stock in Chrysler or something. Yeah, so here, here you're getting loans to buy an investment asset, right, that's fully managed like that. The other class of investors uh, that the government allows you today are accredited investors. And these are folks that are uh, making over two hundred thousand dollars and uh, have a you know million dollars of liquid net worth, and the government believes that these are professional investors and can responsibly invest uh, fractionals in portfolios. Mm-hmm. So we will roll that out, you know, uh, fairly soon for accredited investors where they can put in. A certain minimum amount and buy into a portfolio of homes. So they may buy, you know, four homes here, two there, and mm-hmm. have a bunch of accredited investors that come in and own a and share. And that would that. seem to be more appealing because then you have, I mean, I guess it's harder to get in because you have to meet that accreditation, but you're, you're amortizing your risk. You're spreading the risk around here. Right. One home is, if you've got one home and it suddenly burns down, I don't know, or something, or the, has a problem and uh, the sewer line explodes or something, you, you're, you're stuck trying to fix that one home here. Right. So that's definitely a positive. And like you said, you've got to meet the criteria. The other is, you know, people that do qualify for loans. I mean, so think of it this way, right? I mean, I go back to my old example of someone buying a half a million dollar condo in, in you know, Orange County somewhere or $400,000. Mm-hmm. There are people doing that all day, taking a loan and doing that, right? So we, we're just taking that person and say, look, instead of buying one, you can buy four. Mm-hmm. You know, you're probably putting 25% down on that $400,000 condo. So you're putting somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, you know, 20 to 25%, $80,000 down to buy that. Leverage the same 80000 buy four houses and get the diversification that you spoke about. And that, a lot of our customers seem to be doing that. You know, they seem to be, you know, using 
these government loans to you know buy multiple houses and, and deploy uh, the same. And I don't know what the average return is on the stock market anymore. Uh, you probably know better than I. Uh, certainly, banks just putting in a bank, you're getting one percent if you're lucky back in your money here. Right. So let's say you had a hundred thousand dollars and you wanted to invest in something, or fifty thousand dollars. You're saying you could buy a house and own that house, correct? And you guys would manage it. And then, how do you profit? from this so we you know we profit in in two ways one is you know we uh take a, a fee from the seller mm-hmm. uh, for bringing the buyer so the buyer doesn't pay for that the investor doesn't pay for that we have a, a real estate a brokerage fee that we get for bringing the buyer to sell and then we charge an asset management fee for managing this asset uh f- for the investor and what kind of return do you typically see if i bought a Fifty thousand or hundred thousand dollar home or something. So you know, I mean, it depends on what part of the country, what your risk orientation is. But you know, today we see returns that go anywhere from you know six percent to you know ten percent unlevered, mm-hmm. which is cash and cash. And if you if you lever it, then you know they are in the you know low to mid teens uh, from a return standpoint, mm-hmm. where you know because you're borrowing at a rate that's lower than the return on the house itself. It juices up the return, and you can make more money by investing less. So, okay, uh, explain it to me again. I'm lost. So, the, the, so if I had, let's say, you had fifty thousand dollars or hundred thousand. Yeah, so hundred thousand dollars. If you straight and bought a house, let's say, and that give you a seven percent return, right? Right. Now, if you leverage that and say, I, I want to, you know, put twenty five thousand dollars down and buy four houses, mm-hmm. and the government gives me a loan, say, at four and a half percent, whatever you know, the investment loan mm-hmm. uh, percentage is, it's in that ballpark. Now that seven percent return will go somewhere in you know the twelve thirteen percent area, because the interest rate at which you're borrowing is less than the seven percent return that's on the property. So mm-hmm. the overall project IRR goes up, the return mm-hmm. goes up. Now if I was borrowing at a higher than seven percent, then my overall project IRR would come down. Right. Interesting. So as okay. long as the interest rates stay where they are, I mean, or in the in the neighborhood, it's it's still a good deal. To borrow from the government to invest in these homes, and and people are doing it all day, except they're buying this one expensive home, and 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 going upside down in their mortgage because they don't get enough rental for that half a million dollar or four hundred thousand dollar property that they right. buy in Orange County or L.A. and then they hang on to it and then they sell one day and you know when they want to sell it really hasn't appreciated because they can never match the timing, and uh, now they really haven't you know got anything out of it. Interesting. All yeah. right. So the question that obviously begs to be asked is. How in the world did you come up with this idea? What was your background, and what led you to this? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a serial entrepreneur, and, and the last company that we did was doing a lot of outsourcing work for mortgage banks and mortgage services, uh, looking doing a lot of their back office work, a lot of their call center work. So we sort of had a ringside seat at the uh, at the sort of the festival prior to the breakdown, and <laughs> and then uh, and then you know we had it post breakdown where borrowers were really struggling to stay in their houses. So it became evident to us that you know that there's going to be a large pool of assets that are going to be out there. Uh, a lot of people don't want to buy, and so we saw this you know I think the word zeitgeist or you know mm-hmm. a certain trend mm-hmm. towards renting, and um, and we felt that you know this is an asset class that has always been there, and maybe we can disrupt this because it's large numbers uh, and going larger that uh, we can bring to a lot of investors looking for a fixed income play. So how did you set this up? You said you went and got investors for this, or did you do Yeah, so we, you know, or? what we did, we, we put in some of our own money, and then we raised uh, some seed funding, 
uh, and we proved out the model, right? So we raised the seed funding. We went out and we, you know, did, did real estate's hyper local, right? So we did due diligence in all these areas in the country, created a supply chain, brought them to our investors. They started buying. And after about a year of doing that, we had a proof point, right? That investors were buying assets sight unseen, provided we could give them the information that they needed to get comfortable that it was, you know, trusted, transparent, the data was there, and, and the mm-hmm. track record was there. Right. So once that happened, then we went out and raised a, uh, a Series A round, which uh, from a well-known uh, Silicon Valley uh, venture capitalist to really expand the platform uh, on, on our way to, you know, make this sort of the Amazon of investment real estate. That's our goal. Amazing. And how long have you been doing this? Uh, the company has been around for uh, a little over three years, but I would say the launch of the platform was uh, a little over a year ago. Uh, you know, so it was sort of pre-launch activities prior to that. And why the internet? Why? What's the power of uh, doing this on the internet? Is it easier to find people? Is it easier to show them the properties? What? Maybe both or neither. I think the internet's a, a huge social place, right? Where you can pretty much. Do everything, and and obviously this is uh, real estate is not something that we can get the full transaction done on the internet. So we have, you know, customer service folks that after a point interact with our investors to help them through some of the processes. But a lot of it uh, can be self service, where they come in, they do the due diligence, they give us the preferences, they look at the type of properties they they want, they tell us how much money they want to invest, they we 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 assess a risk profile, they answer a few questions, and this is. You know, a new website that'll launch in probably 60 days that'll have a lot of this automated. And then we create a portfolio for them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, based on what they're telling us. So it's very customized. Once they start to move with that, that's when a, a customer service person works with them. Uh, a lot of the paperwork is signed online. Uh, and if they want to borrow, then we have lender partners that we hook them up and with. And do they actually get a chance to see the property or is it just sight unseen? Uh, they see, you know, today, that's the other thing, right? They see uh, photographs of the property. They see videos of the street. Uh, they see, they can, you know, troll the neighborhood. They can look at crime. They can look at where the schools are, where the parks are, you know, where the little malls are. I mean, mm-hmm. all of that stuff is today available from uh, various... And if they wanted to get on a plane, could they go to oh, Indianapolis? Abso- and, abso- yeah, absolutely, plane. absolutely. And, you know, we find a very small percentage of our investors actually doing that. Unless they have business or something, they'll say, hey, you know, I'm going to be there, and then uh, then we meet them there, and then, then they actually look at the neighborhoods. But I would say 95% plus folks get enough information online and after talking to our customer service folks to be able to go do this. Now, are you going to go through middlemen at some point, like a stockbroker provides you stock or financial advisors give you tips on other sorts of investments you should make, or is this just straight from you to the investor here? See, the Internet is all about removing layers, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a Wall Street bypass. So when you go about uh, raising money for a REIT on Wall Street, that's the other example, right? A REIT spends anywhere from, you know, 8 to 15% of its uh, raise in paying the broker-dealers and yeah, everyone absolutely. along that food chain, right? right? So why do we want to do that? I mean, we we are a lot closer this way to the, our end client, and we want to embrace that end client in a, in a one-to-one relationship where we're tailoring stuff. I think the, the buzzword is mass customization, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone has a say, they have a preference, and we want to match those preferences to the best type of assets we have. Now, how would people find you, though, if they weren't aware that such a thing exists? We have the same problem with Internet radio. People don't necessarily know that there is something like this. They're learning and beginning to discover there's podcasts and there are places to do lots of broadcasts and therefore become a radio station of podcasts. How would, I, if I didn't know that such a 
investment was out there, how how would I even search for you? Okay, so that's uh, a great question, right? I mean, so every time we get in front of people, just like you said, they love the idea, they don't know about it, you know, they didn't know about it before. Yeah, right. So part of our challenge and is awareness. So that's one of the reasons we raise money, right? I mean, there's many ways to raise awareness. There's there's advertising, there's PR, there's uh, ads and social um, media. Talking so, about social media, stuff. there's getting on shows like yours, uh, mm-hmm. uh, on and on and on. I mean, there there are ways to resonate this message um, across. But you know, for us, we wanted to be careful. We didn't overhype it till we had the experience right. Sure. Right. So we're we're in the final stages of getting a you know fairly uh, decent product experience. You know, so we're continuing to sell and investors are continuing to buy. But before we do uh, a huge marketing push, we want to make sure that when they come to the site, uh, the experience is solid, that the product you is You want solid. to be the, the health.gov uh, site here where everybody that's comes right. in and crashes. Yeah, that's right. right. That's the worst thing to do, right? It's it's money lost in bringing people to your restaurant and they don't like the food, right? Mm, I mean, they don't come back, right? They don't come back. So, you know, this is a business of trust. So um, you you really want to be very careful. Uh, what do you put up there? Because the investor experience and trust is everything. Uh, you mean you lose that, you don't have a business. So you. And if you tried, like I used to be in public relations, uh, I used to have a PR firm. I mean, have you gone out to try and get articles in the Wall Street Journal or yeah, other we, sorts we, of we, investment? We're, we're, yeah, we're engaging PR firms. Once again, I mean, we don't want that article yet, right? Yes, right. I mean, we have a lot of viral stuff going on, and people are coming, and we go to shows, and uh, and people come to those shows, and then they come to a website, and then they buy. So what we've done is we, we're doing sort of limited launches here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once this uh, product is there, then, you know, then we'll sort of open the faucet. Are you investors from all over the world or all over the country or just specifically here in California uh, buying? Uh, the, the investors might be here, but the properties are anywhere. Yeah. So I, I would say, you know, if you look at the general demographics of where the money is in this country, right? I mean, the money is in California, money's in New York, money's in Florida, money's right. in Arizona, money's in Nevada, money's in Texas. Uh, those are, you know, the preponderance of investors would come from those types of locations. And then internationally, we are beginning to see, you know, a fair amount of action from, uh, you know, countries like China and... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, what about like these, we had a, we do a show on import-export, and they talk a lot about it, this EB1 program where if you invest a half a million dollars and something has to generate so many jobs or whatever the sorts of things, and you get a visa, and that's powerful thing if you're trying to get out of, get out of jail card or a quick escape card, or you yeah, want to educate yeah, your yeah. children here, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. We looked at that in detail, and this doesn't work for that. I mean, the, the reason it doesn't, is we would need to show sustained employment yes, for a period right. of time. So we'd have to actually do a, a new construction and then attach that to a shopping mall, and then the shopping mall would have jobs. Right. And it just takes away from a core purpose, right, which is uh, really bringing this to investors that want to do this. And I think there's enough juice and value proposition in what the assets return themselves that we want to do those funky things to. <laughs> get people cut to come. All right, we got one last commercial to run. We'll come back and wrap this up. We're talking with uh, Don Ganguly from Home Union about a fascinating, absolutely amazing new concept where you can buy and own property just like you buy and own a stock. We'll be right back right after this. I got a go here Business Network here. is a business-to-business yeah, multimedia right. company uh, providing uh, insight, uh, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions 
presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Okay, let's come back and wrap this up here. First of all, give us all the information. How do people reach you? How do people find you, learn more about you? Yeah, so really, um, you know, they can come to our website, which is um, www.homeunion.com, or uh, they can call uh, 949-385-5358. And we'll connect with them. Do you do seminars on this, or places people? Yeah, we do. Uh, we do webinars. Uh, you know, there's an interesting uh, you know angle here where people can take their IRAs and put it into a self-directed IRA, mm-hmm. and then that self-directed IRA can actually buy real estate, and the returns come in tax-free hmm. into the IRA. So there are a number of large self-directed IRA companies uh, that are in this business of helping people invest in alternate assets. So we do uh, joint webinars with uh, folks like that so people can understand how to move the asset, move move some money over, how would they invest in real estate and things of that nature. So the website typically has uh, upcoming events where we're going to be and, and things of that nature. And we, we typically sponsor various events. We were at the uh, National Association of Realtor event, you know, last month. Hmm. Last question. What is real estate? Going to get better, worse, same as where? Where do you, where do you look into the crystal ball? Where is real estate headed here? That's mine. Yeah, I think it's not going to get worse, but I don't think it's going to get dramatically uh, better. Mm-hmm. So I think just like uh, employment, where it's going to putter along at a certain growth rate, mm-hmm. I think you see, you're going to see uh, real estate putter along at a certain growth rate. And you know, remember, real estate's all about household formations, mm-hmm. and household formations is all about jobs. Yeah, right. So you know, we're inextricably tied to those two things, and uh, and till we get a lot of household formations and a lot of jobs, and then and not only jobs where people feel confident about their jobs. Uh, we're not going to see a huge housing uptick, but I think we're past the worst time. I think we're going to continue to see, you know, appreciation in most markets, which is also good for investors, right? Because they get cash flow and sure. they get some appreciation. Right. So I, I think it's healthy. Is it going to boom? Uh, questionable. Don't know if we'll come back to the the the, the Hades. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, that, double, I, triple. I, yeah. Really I don't good. have a crystal ball that far out. All right. Well, fascinating concept. I wish you all the best. It sounds like you're off and running with something brand new. Are there? I, I asked you this before. I guess. I'm still wondering, are there lots of other people in this market space, or are you kind of alone in this? Uh, you know, like I said, there, uh, there are real estate gurus who take people out to Kansas City or some hot destination and show them how to invest in real estate, and they buy these properties. Or there are radio personalities that talk about this and then yeah. connect people with a network. But, but nothing the, formalized. Yeah, there's know. nothing right. like ours, which is a sort of a national platform which connects people, manages it, takes care of the experience. So, you know, we're really, uh, you know, trying to create 
you know, the Zillow or the Amazon of investment mm-hmm. real estate, right? There's, there's yeah. nobody there that's quite doing it quite the way we are, and we'll allow for people to buy the property. We'll allow for people to do fractionals. Uh, so it'll be pretty flexible moving forward, but you know, one thing at a time, right? We got to get the one product this time. So. Well, we'll have you back in a couple of years when you're uh, the Twitter of the uh, real estate world here, and you'll explain to us. We'll we'll say we were there at the beginning here and caught this in an early stage. Up well, here. I mean, that's a great wish. <laughs> thank you, thank you. All right, thank you so much, uh, Don Ganguly from Home Union. Give us the website one more time: www.homeunion.com. Okay. Well, thank you for listening today. Uh, You've been listening to Critical Mass for Business, where we try and learn from the experiences of others and expose you to new ideas and concepts right here in your own backyard here in Orange County. Thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, later in the week with our national version. Rick will be back, and uh, we'll be on uh, Thursday from 4 to 5.